Raised in the heartland under Friday Night Lights, this all-American girl grew up with patriotism in her soul. Now, she tackles the hottest issues of our time. Free speech, religious liberty, and preserving our all-American way of life. This is All-American Radio with Jennifer Kearns. Welcome to All-American Radio with Jennifer Kearns. I am your host, Jennifer Kearns, on 790KABC, Los Angeles this morning. Merry Christmas to you all. We wanted to be sure we were giving you some Christmas content this morning. And I know uh, with millions of people in the Southland area in Southern California, Los Angeles, Orange County, Riverside, San Bernardino, uh, we've got so many people who are on the road early on Christmas morning, either uh, going to your Christmas or coming home. So we thank you for being along for the ride. Be sure, by the way, we have a, a great um, Christmas background for you. I'm actually at my parents, uh, snowed in in the state of Oklahoma with Winterstorm Elliot. And uh, we've got a great Christmas holiday backdrop for you. I've got my uh, sparkly uh, Christmas lights necklace on, so be sure to... Uh, Roll over uh, and check the companion to this broadcast, which is over on redvoicemedia.com. You can uh, listen to the show on 790KABC, but you can also follow along on our video simulcast. So be sure to check that out. Well, great show for you today. Uh, Some breaking stories of the week I want to get right into on this Christmas day. Uh, One in particular being the top story of the January 6th criminal referral of Donald Trump to the Department of Justice. Now, we saw Liz Cheney and the other turncoat Republican, Adam Kinzinger, join the seven Democrats uh, in referring Donald Trump for uh, criminal charges and um, and uh, nothing short of, you know, purely partisan, of course. Uh, but... Um, uh, we saw them refer Donald Trump for criminal charges over the January 6th uh, hearings. And, and I'm so pleased to see the Republicans getting a backbone and fighting back against this. Uh, House, uh, soon to be, I believe, Speaker of the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, joined with a couple of other uh, re- Republicans to hit back at Nancy Pelosi and point out the fact that it was none other than Nancy Pelosi who was in charge of security on January 6th. And I'm uh, in a moment, I'm going to bring in a, a good friend of the show, Richard Tortorello. He's a, a military veteran, uh, has won a, an award of honor for um, his work in rescuing people in the Kobar Towers bombing uh, back in Saudi Arabia uh, in 1996. Um, he is a city council member of Oklahoma. Uh, He's been a great fighter and warrior in the fight to refund the police across this country. And he also happened to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th to watch the vote get certified and attend the very lawful Stop the Steal rally. And uh, he ended up, as we've uh, talked about on this show before, you can go back and watch prior episodes on redvoicemedia.com. Rashar and others in his group who went to D.C. that day paid a dear, dear price just for being in Washington, D.C., even though they never went over to the Capitol. They ended up being doxxed for their presence that day. And so I want to get into this. Um, I'm uh, paraphrasing here from the New York Post article. Um, It says that House Republicans issued a scathing report Wednesday night, which uh, I believe rightfully so exposed House Speaker Nancy Pelosi Uh, having a key role 
any catastrophic security and intelligence failures that left the U.S. Capitol, quote, vulnerable, end quote, to a violent attack on January 6, 2021. Uh, this is true, and this, of course, comes days after Pelosi's January 6th Select Committee recommended insurrection charges against former President Donald Trump. And I want to talk about that for a minute, folks. Uh, you know, they're they're suggesting that Donald Trump committed insurrection and therefore committed treason. And, and I just want to point out that Donald Trump was a full mile away from the United States Capitol. He also... Uh, read a speech that was one hour and 15 minutes long and 10,000 words long. And never once in those 10,000 words did he say, go break into the Capitol, create mayhem, start an insurrection, uh, do anything unlawful. Um, He never once in those 10,000 words uh, suggested that. And in fact, our own FBI has told us, right, folks, that the Proud Boys and others planned this event for seven and eight months prior to January 6th. And so it's hard to believe it doesn't really uh, pass the laugh test that uh, Donald Trump um, somehow just whipped these people into a frenzy. uh, And 15 minutes later, they were over uh, breaking into the Capitol. So um, the the report from the House Republicans uh, says uh, what we've all known for a while, which is that Nancy Pelosi Uh, is in charge of the Capitol Police Force. And in fact, that the sergeant at arms of the United States Police actually reports to Nancy Pelosi. And um, that that is a guy by the name of Paul Irving. And uh, Republicans in this report are suggesting that Paul Irving now has become so politicized and is so afraid of losing his job that he has, quote, succumbed to the political pressures from the office of Speaker Pelosi and House Democrat leadership, end quote, and that he has been completely compromised as Nancy Pelosi continues to lean on him so that her narrative of Donald Trump and the Republicans inciting this riot uh, can can look to the public like it's true. Uh, in the House GOP report, again, this is led by Kevin McCarthy, uh, they point out that uh, Pelosi and her staff quote, coordinated closely, end quote, with the Sergeant at Arms Paul Irving on the specific security plans for the joint session of Congress that day on January 6th. But that, and this is new, folks, this is new information, but that Republicans were deliberately left out of important discussions related to security. And uh, in an apparent attempt to hide from Republicans the fact that they were being excluded, uh, the sergeant at arms of the uh, Capitol Police asked a senior Democratic staffer to, quote, act surprised, end quote, when he sent key information about plans for the joint session on January 6th. So here you have the sergeant at arms of the U.S. Capitol Police telling a Democrat high-ranking member to act surprised when I send you the plans for security for January 6th. Folks, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Well, maybe a little bit of one. But this almost sounds like, you know, Democrats were were planning to not have the Capitol so secure. Maybe they wanted a little bit of a ruckus. Maybe they wanted a little bit of the riots. Remember the time frame this was in. This was six or seven months after 
the 130 days of rioting in the streets of America. And here you have Democrats uh, playing games behind the scenes with the security of the United States Capitol. Uh, when Irving was finally forced to resign after the riot, a, um, an email from an unnamed staffer the House GOP has found uh, criticized Pelosi for her lack of security and for her knee-jerk reaction. And they said that, you know, this guy Paul Irving uh, will be the fall guy for this whole thing. And sure enough, uh, it turned out to be true. And I want to give a shout out to, to the brave Republicans who, who came forward uh, with this. And that is uh, Jim Banks from Indiana, Jim Jordan, who we love on this show, Rodney Davis, Kelly Armstrong, and to Troy Nails from uh, the state of Texas. And of course, none of that happens, by the way, folks, without the blessing and without the help of Representative Kevin McCarthy. And I know a lot of people in the base think that, you know, Kevin's not that conservative. He's he's not one of us. Well, look at how aggressive he is time and time again on things like this report. Uh, I've known Kevin for a while, 15 plus years, uh, worked as a communications director in the state legislature of California. And I can tell you, Kevin is as aggressive as it gets. And so uh, I'm so pleased to see this big pushback on Nancy Pelosi because we all knew it, right? We all knew that Pelosi was in charge of, of the security and failed. And um, without further ado, I want to bring in uh, my first guest today, and uh, that is Rashard Tortorello. As I mentioned, he is a, an Air Force veteran. Uh, he's also a city council member uh, in the state of Oklahoma. And um, he was in January 6th. Um, in, in Washington, D.C. on January 6th and paid a dear price for it. Uh, the people back in his town, uh, when he got back after the uh, riots broke out, said that Rashar was there and participated in it and, you know, had to hire an attorney and all sorts of things. And Rashar, I want to bring you into this discussion. What do you think of this House pushback on Nancy Pelosi? It was her fault. You know what? It was her fault. And thank you for having me back on your show. You know, the Democrats always have this this motto, never let a good crisis go to waste. And she certainly capitalized on what was happening, not just during January 6th, but the, the previous 18 months of rioting to set up this moment in time just to destroy a president. I have never seen this anywhere in my lifetime where we have leadership at the Capitol that would do and go to the great lengths that she has done to do this to our presidents. And that's all the time we have. Sorry to cut the conversation short, uh, but check us out on social media and uh, at Red Voice Media, where we will continue this conversation in overtime. All right, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much, Rashar. All right, well, uh, on this Christmas day, we've got more breaking news. We are not taking a break. We are never tired here at 790 KABC and Red Voice Media. We'll be back in just a moment uh, and talk more. I want to touch on these uh, Idaho murders, this uh, case out of Moscow, Idaho, where uh, this case has still not been solved. I want to talk about how the defunding of police movement may have had something to do with this. And in fact, I do believe it did. We'll be right back on 790 KABC.
Welcome back to All American Radio with Jennifer Kearns. I am your host, Jennifer Kearns, on 790 KABC and Red Voice Media on this Christmas Sunday morning. We thank you all for joining us as you're uh, going to and fro grandmother's house and through the woods and through uh, downtown LA and uh, Orange County, Riverside, San Bernardino. We so appreciate you being along for the ride this morning. Um, I want to touch base as it is, of course, very sadly, the first Christmas that the families of the victims of this um, Idaho stabbings, uh, this is the first Christmas they'll be spending without their kids at home, which just has to be a terrible, terrible uh, tragedy. And um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that may have led up to uh, this case, Uh, not just the attack itself, but also the police response to this uh, quadruple homicide in Moscow, Idaho. And, you know, you have so many people across the nation fixated on this case. And I believe that, you know, as I've been saying, these were all American kids that this is an all-American story, and this is, you know, fraternity and sorority kids, you know, yes, maybe they were, you know, drinking beer, out partying, doing what, you know, college kids do, but by and large, these were good, upstanding kids uh, who had, you know, some of them had just landed jobs, ready to graduate, that graduate early, and um, what a terrible tragedy it is, and as we look at how the police have been responding to this. Um, I've started looking back at what may be contributing factors to some of the delays that the police are having in this case. Uh, And no surprise, I'm sure, to the listeners of this show, because we've talked so much about the defunding of police and all of the negative uh, downsides of the defunding of police, that it can be, I believe, some of it traced back to Uh, what happened in the summer of 2020 and the subsequent defunding of police. Now, some people may not have heard, but Idaho went through its own summer of reckoning in the summer of 2020 uh, when a Black Lives Matter chapter sprung up in uh, the city of Boise. and, um, And some activism also spread to the University of Idaho, where these four slain kids went to school. Um, in the summer of 2020, in May 2020, in fact, a BLM Boise was founded in response to George Floyd's killing at the hands of the Minneapolis Police Department, and they began to plan a number of demonstrations over the summer of 2020, and in fact, started a number of petitions. Now, they started a big petition uh, in the city of Boise, which is uh, the largest suburb um, just outside of uh, Moscow, Idaho. And in this petition, they demanded that the city, of course, defund the police and invest in programs such as affordable housing, housing for the homeless, mental health services, and substance abuse care, as well as, we've heard this phrase before, community engagement. That's one of BLM's uh, favorite quotes. And um, the BLM Boise chapter uh, was pretty loud and pretty robust and led a large march to City Hall during the summer of 2020 to hand the signatures in from the petitions by hand. And um, 
what Boise did in response to it, uh, I admire a lot. Even in the face of all of this criticism, uh, the mayor of Boise actually increased the police budget, um, but said that he had heard the protesters loud and clear. In the city of Moscow, Idaho, where this quadruple murder uh, just happened some five weeks ago, you also had a lot of BLM activity. In fact, the University of Idaho students petitioned to remove the Moscow Police Department from campus. And for anyone who's been following this story, you can see that there's sort of this overlap, right, in this tiny town where you have university police that are there on campus, but you also have a scenario in which, just like at the 1122 King Road murder house, you have the students who are still attending the school but are living there just off campus, just about uh, 500 feet away from the official campus. And so at the University of Idaho, just like the University of Oklahoma, just like you know Cal Berkeley, just like all of the universities across the United States, you have a scenario in which the police from a town sometimes overlap and drive around and sort of keep an eye on things um, on the actual campus. And what happened on the campus of University of Idaho, I think, has a little bit to do with what we're seeing now and how slowly the case is getting solved. So um, in the weeks following the George Floyd murder in Minneapolis, um, community members at the University of Idaho organized more than five protests in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. And then they even did other demonstrations at Pullman, uh, Washington, where Washington State University, Wazoo it's called, uh, just across the uh, state border and also Lewiston. And uh, some of these protests were organized and supported by the BLM movement, by BLM Boise, Idaho, and by University of Idaho students and alumni calling for the defunding of police at the local level. And in June of 2020, uh, the president of the students, Scott Green, and some of you who've been following the um, Moscow, Idaho murder case might remember him. He's the uh, dean of students that's been speaking. He spoke at the vigil. Uh, he spoke at one of the memorial services. And um, he responded, you know, saying that the death of George Floyd is another scene that we've, you know, seen play out too many times in our history. We don't all have to agree on what happened, but we do need to act with kindness and compassion. And the University of Idaho students went nuts, saying that his statement was insulting, it was lackluster, um, and, and they actually started a petition. And what the University of Idaho students did was they demanded that the university terminate a multi-million dollar contract with Moscow PD which was set to renew in September 30th of 2020. And that was, remember, this is the time of the Chaz Chop Zone. This is the time of, you know, the call for the defunding of police all across the country. And the university uh, did not break their, um, did not completely break their partnership with uh, Moscow PD, but they did, do a couple of things. Um, one, they they did set up sort of um, 
restrictions on areas that the, you know, Moscow PD could go. And then they also set up a Black Lives Matter speaker series on the University of Idaho campus. And I'm going somewhere with this, folks, because I think so much of what happened in the summer of 2020 actually has led to some of the crime that we're seeing in 2022. And I think the Idaho murders are no exception. And um, what you saw with the Black Lives Matter speaker series was a person by the name of Patrice Coolers, who is from, of course, the Black Lives Matter national movement. She is the one who uh, purchased four lavish houses uh, in Los Angeles, in ritzy Tony Beverly Hills, other places, and, and has been accused, according to multiple reports, of wasting Black Lives Matter donor money but she has been part and parcel one of the biggest critics of the police and she was one of the people one of the lead spokespersons of the last couple of years along with hawk newsom in new york city who have talked about the fact that police need to start tiptoeing around these communities instead of doing what they're hired to do which is protect the students in this case that would be those moscow idaho students and so what I'm going for here, folks, is to show you the correlation between the defunding of police and the increase of crime. And sure enough, it exists in Moscow, Idaho. Listen to this. On June 19th, 2021, there's breaking news out of Moscow, Idaho, that crime rates on the UI campus rose after the removal of police from the area. So after the University of Idaho students pressured the university to tamp down on the city patrols of the university areas, guess what happened? They saw crime increase. And it, uh, this report from uh, the UI Argonaut, the student newspaper at the University of Idaho, it says UI students are asking why the police aren't helping. Well, one UI student stated when we got rid of the police, we weren't expecting more crime or for the police to stop helping us. And this is such a perfect example, folks, of how this all works. And uh, you add on top of that, there's an additional report out nationally. It was covered in the Idaho Statesman uh, just a, a week ago. And it talks about how uh, the nation has taken a hit of reality in, in especially in regards to its college campuses you had uh, in just one week you had the four university of idaho students found dead in a house in moscow idaho uh, in a quadruple murder and then you had the triple murder of the university of virginia student athletes and in both of these jurisdictions the police had been asked not to heavily patrol those university campuses and this is such a sad real life reminder of what happens when you pull back the police. You are emboldening the criminals to come in. And when they know that the police aren't looking, they're more emboldened to uh, participate in their crimes. Uh, I thought this was also interesting. Uh, the NCES also reports that from 2009 to 2019, uh, crimes had decreased on all college campuses 
But after the summer of 2020, they began to rise again and murder and negligent manslaughter were one of two types of crime to see a huge increase. And the spike is chilling. And I think, folks, that's what you're seeing when you talk about wanting to defund the police. You better be very, very careful what you ask for. Because when you're a university student and you say, I don't want the police on my campus anymore, I don't want them looking at what we're doing, you better be prepared because then when you need them, they won't be looking. And I think we're seeing the result of that now in this very slow, very painstaking response to the quadruple murder in Moscow, Idaho, that they, you know, the police just don't have any leads because they just weren't. Uh, around in that area, with the exception of the uh, three young men they questioned and the uh, body cam uh, footage, which is all being uh, examined and torn apart now. So be careful what you wish for. And I wish college uh, students would would um, keep that in mind more. Um, anyway, a lot more show to come on this Christmas morning. We appreciate you being here with us on 790 KEBC. Be sure to check our video simulcast also over at redvoicemedia.com. You can just search us by uh, searching All American Radio. And a lot more show for you coming up. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Watch the rest of this interview on Red Voice Media Premium using the link below. Completely uncensored and ad-free. Not a member yet? Try it for $1.